who most recently wrote and directed uh, kabulu dari and previously godi banna sadarna maikattu uh, he is also the one of the co-writers in sriram raghavan's andadhun hi heman hi hi guys uh, so this is kind of uh, it, it so happened that uh, we are following a, uh, a film noir that we did in the previous episode shivaji ganeshan's andanal uh, made in 1954 one of the earliest film noirs in tamil cinema and it kind of really excited us to cover something like kavaludari right after uh and uh, to get into those aspects of the film uh can you talk to us about uh, kind of what fascinates you about film noir and kavaludari has uh, very traditional elements such as uh, the frame within the frame the opening shot uh, in atmm that throws uh, that that kind of moves out uh, through a window Uh, or sham uh, multiple times framed behind the fence or behind the, a sliding door uh, so can you talk about how uh, you went about doing that in this film uh, so uh, i'm a very big uh, fan of the film noir space so consciously like these frame within a frame that sort of comes uh, very naturally to me uh, even when i was doing a like a non noir sort of uh, film with kodivanna uh i ended up having small influences with regard to uh, shadow play and you know stuff like that so i think I, it's just it's just a reflection of my upbringing and uh, upbringing of cinema actually and that has basically been a big determining factor so it was not planned as such uh there were strong uh, elements in the film that were very strongly planned with regard to creating the mood and the you know treatment those things i i sort of had in mind and discussed with my cinematographer and uh, those stylistic elements were incorporated but th- there are a lot of subtle things which just comes naturally to me got it so uh, take an example one of the shots that i liked uh, uh, how do you go about blocking uh, a shot like that for example the one in the press conference in the fag end of the film uh, you have these uh, these mirrors against each other and uh, you have both uh, mutana and uh, sham uh, following uh, into the press conference in the resort and you also have track the the media guy uh, following the press conference uh, and i think there are several mirror shots like that in the film right yeah there are quite a few and uh, i mean that is something that we uh, we we just had fun with to be very honest because uh, it was sort of a prerequisite for the art department uh, mirror just keep a mirror uh with you guys i i you know i'll never know when i lose it but with regard to that shot specifically it's purely accidental that i ended up doing that sequence the way i did it because that was uh this is this is one of those uh, sort of back stories that uh you know uh, that nobody knows of uh, the thing is we were supposed to shoot a sequence uh, in mysore in another schedule but uh, the there was a strike the junior artist and they couldn't show up and we had to cancel the shoot oh, okay. because that scene required a lot of people and it, funnily enough the 
hall that I wanted to shoot in Mysore did not have any mirrors. So, uh, as a consequence of that getting cancelled, the shot was still a single take, and you know it was uh, the whole uh, it, choreography was uh, you know uh, very planned out as such. But there was there was no mirror play at all. So, but when I was looking for locations, I couldn't find like an interesting location. And this when I came across this hall. And after great difficulty, found this hall, and I saw the mirrors and mirrors, and I was like, okay, I'm, I just want to shoot in this hall. I'll figure out what to do and how to do it uh, once we get there. Uh, and then on the day of the shoot, me and the cinematographer, uh, I, I planned this. What I told him, this, this is the idea, uh, and it it just fell into place because exactly where the camera is placed, like there is a break in the mirror, like head on. When the shot ends, Milo Sumas is sort of hidden. But the thing is, if you notice carefully, there is like a break in the wall and there's like a pillar. So we were able to sort of position our camera on that axis and execute the shot like in one take. Uh, you know, it was very complicated choreography because there were a lot of things that had to fall in place. And But yeah, I mean, it was, it was great fun. Like I said, it's purely accidental how that happened. So, uh, staying on with uh, uh, shots, right? The, the the scene that fascinated me the most is the one where he's rifling through all these files, and as he goes on and deduces that this this is this file that he's currently reading is not what he's looking for, we see people being highlighted in the background and you know moving out. What what is the thought process that uh, made you go like that? Do you, do you want to talk a little more about that kind of a process? Yeah, sure. Uh, the thing is. Uh when I started writing the script, the the piece uh, of him going through the files and uh, it was very mechanical, right? I mean, it was very like, even when, when I was narrating the story, so I, I feed off my own narration. Like when, when, what I mean by that is when I narrate the story to five, six people, there's, I know I start feeling uh, confident about certain aspects. Then I, 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 I start feeling weak about certain aspects. So after multiple narrations, this is one piece that I, that kept bothering me. Like, how am I going to make this interesting in a way that it is just not like an information download? You know, how can I, how can I show this and sort of, uh, you know, uh, uh, in, a, in a very visual way, but also make it very slick and cool, uh, you, know, you know? So I just, I just sort of uh, was, was trying to figure that out when, when it's just a simple idea that, okay, what if he's in a hall and Symbolically, we show that, you know, all the case files and there are a lot of people and we show like a process of elimination yeah. uh, and we do it in a very surreal, uh, you know, uh, within his brain space sort of a way. Like put him in a small dingy room, but really go inside his head and try and show. Uh, so it was very vague. So when I narrated this idea to my uh, colleagues, my assistant directors and my associate director, uh, like it was not clear for them as well. And they were they were really confused. So when I was shooting it, I don't think anybody had a clue as to what I was doing, uh, right. except except for myself and the uh, to a large extent to a cinematographer because he, he immediately once I started shooting it, he uh, you know he was able to uh, uh, like I have an amazing sync with uh, with uh, Dwight, the DOP of the film. So uh, we immediately got on board. But apart from the two of us, I don't think anybody, including including actors. Had a, had a sort of an idea of how this is going to sort of fall into place. So it was it was just it was just one of those things where I believe that it's very important for a filmmaker to go out and have fun, right? I mean, like to enjoy the process. And all this I was able to do because of uh, because of me just going out and like you know 
fooling around to be very honest but uh, in addition to that uh, the biggest insecurity for me is uh, how how strongly is the idea coming across that the uh, this whole design uh, because there were like many things that i needed to convey in that sequence and i was i was planning to do it visually so that was a very big risk uh, that i was taking because the first thing that i need to establish is that uh, when he opens the book he's reading about a personality within the book and that person gets up and when he rejects the book uh, that personality sort of whoever he or she sort of moves out of the frame that was one right. and the second thing is i needed to sort of associate a sense of a family that he's looking for so right. when when three people get up there's another girl that is shown as well uh, who uh, you know rishi has performed really well uh, in in that in that uh, sequence where you can see that he is he thinks it is it could be this girl and there's something mm-hmm. that sort of you know tells him that it's not and that girl also moves away so there's another family with a boy uh i just didn't want to show families i just wanted to show like uh, three four families so i wanted to sort of train the audience uh, to to understand what i'm trying to show uh, visually so that that for me was like a very big uh, task and uh, even even before the release my producer uh, uh, saw the film and he was kicked about the film and and he comes from a very you know a uh, 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 strong filmy background and a very strong commercial uh, superstar so right. his his concern was how how will this you know how will this convey is it getting conveyed i got it like he mm-hmm. his perspective was like he he really got it and he really loved it but he was worried about the common man and uh, right. to be very honest until the day of the release even i was like okay i don't think anybody is going to get it uh, but the, the safety bracket is it's, it's happening within a song and the song is sort of uh, uh, groovy so i think yeah. he just you know we'll, it, it, even if it doesn't work it's one of those things that you can just say yeah you know i tried and uh, it 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 land it, it didn't land as mu- as as hard as i thought it would but the thing is uh, i was pleasantly surprised because a lot of people loved that sequence like they really uh, got it they really got the design and uh, the last thing that that uh, i uh, coming back to what i was saying sorry attack is there the last thing that i needed to uh, sort of convey was that uh, there is there is this particular family that gets found and there is that, that is when the photo is revealed and then the car yeah. in the photo so there are like too many things that i was trying to you know uh trying to get across as an idea actually so uh, uh you you also touched a little bit about the music right yeah you like watching movies where there's not so much music and you and it's 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 the actors and the script that convey what they're kind trying to do but in this case right uh, being a noir Uh, kind of movie and uh, the music also fitting well in that for the genre how are you able to match that sensibility yeah yeah absolutely i think uh, working with charan is an absolute delight because uh, like like advait have an amazing sync with uh, charan as well and he gets he gets uh, the 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 zone that i was trying to uh, trying to make the film in and uh, from the very very uh, onset we sort of decided that uh, uh you know we are going to work within this space of the story and the treatment of the film and uh, we were very clear that we are going to stay only within that boundaries and we are not going to do like one of my biggest uh, learnings from godivana is that uh, you know godivana for a film uh, of that uh, uh, you know uh, uh, of that genre so to speak 
uh had nine songs like mm-hmm. that i find it hard to believe now when i look at mm-hmm. the when i i mean i don't look at the film anymore but when i think about it i'm like how how the how the hell did i manage to put nine songs into it you know and that is one of the biggest learnings for me because i there were there were the songs were so good i mean i fell in love with the songs so much that I, that charan just kept making tunes and i was like ah i'll find this i'll find a space to use the song i will uh, you know uh, i shot a lot of uh, montage so i was like okay i'll put on yeah. song here i'll put on song there which it worked to a large extent but there were places where i feel i overdid it so mm-hmm. we sort of as a learning from godi banna when we sat down we we were very sure that uh, we are just going to focus on the treatment and the theme of the film and create like interesting themes and probably have three or maximum four songs and we wouldn't go beyond that and that's how that's how uh, we discussed it and that's how we sort of went ahead and executed it but it is a some it, the music is something that was that took a long time to crack uh, because it's 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 a, it's a very important uh, element of this kind of uh, in 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 this genre the cinematography right. and music goes a long way in creating that specific mood that i was aiming for yes. and uh, yeah so that took a little time but yeah i mean i i think we we got that right combination going so uh, was it was it easier to uh, take that kind of a decision now with this movie uh considering the success of your first movie or 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 was that i mean was that was that not a factor at all meaning you 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 talked about having nine songs in the first movie right and consciously avoiding you know using those so many so many songs in this one so was that was that easy decision to make so i'm very i'm very uh, clear about that that you know it's my film i'm going to do it my way but with regard to uh, your question about uh, uh, you know making a conscious choice was it easy it it actually was very easy because for me uh, i i i look at my film i sort of detached from my film after it is released it's no longer my film anymore mm-hmm. uh, you know because it's, it's it's in the it's in the public people have their own perception of the film so it's no longer mine so and i sort of you know sort of cut off ties to a large extent extent because uh, i don't want the the uh, i don't want the uh, result so so to speak to determine my process and i right. i i train myself to be that way because i feel i can evolve and become a better storyteller if i don't hang on to the after effects of the film like see if it can work both ways if it's successful then it can you can get really carried away with it and or if mm-hmm. it's or if it's a, if it's a failure then you can get you can, you know it can really affect you as well so right it's a very personal uh, journey so when when the film does well like uh, with godibanna i was able to disconnect and make this decision for kavaludari because of that because i was able to right. sort of disconnect although the audio for godibanna was a massive hit like it was right. like one of the biggest musical hits of the year uh, so mm-hmm. then to then sort of come back and say you know what let's not do more songs was only because i i didn't get swayed by the uh, and and i i mean that with charan as well we didn't uh, we didn't get swayed uh, by the success otherwise the natural tendency would have been to put more songs right that is how that decision was made essentially uh so you said that the secret in their eyes is a emotional reference point for this film uh, and it's, it's one of my favorite films and that also has uh, uh you know a, a gruesome crime with the perpetrator absconding for decades and how the case kind of consumes uh, the personal lives of investigators uh so so is that part what fascinated you uh 
to recreate emotionally in in a film like uh, kabudari or is that something else no uh, so uh, i i told mr varadwaj rangan in an interview that uh, you know the for yeah, me when you, i start out a film I, i it's very important that i have sort of sort of an emotional anchor uh, yeah. in terms of uh, what is it that i'm aiming to create so for i look at a film and the impact that it's had on me i'm not talking about the story or the narrative those uh, consciously i i sort of you know keep it at an arms distance uh, because i don't want that the works influence to percolate into my work but the emotional intensity that is generated as a consequence of the film uh, you know after watching it uh, that is the kind of feeling that i want to leave my audience with that is that's a very vague concept i don't know if, if, if people can understand that but uh, it's a, it's it's something that i uh, you know like like for example uh, like the way i felt i want to i want to make a children's film one day that made me feel like how i felt after watching children of heaven you know if that makes sense it's like uh, you know you sort of set the benchmark yeah the thing about secret in the rise that is extremely unique which which is which is uh, which i which i've never come across in other films of that of this genre is that it's usually uh, a very uh, you know uh, who's the killer and the film sort of hangs on this uh, very suspense uh, suspenseful sort of uh, you know arc very rarely do they explore like the emotional angle of the storytelling so secret in the eyes for me is uh, is is actually a love story uh, it's a very beautiful love story but which has which has murder in it that's what makes it interesting so right. for me i i wanted to do a film which is a thriller uh, but it's not really a thriller also it's it is a very human uh, story and and for me that is what moves me a lot as a filmmaker i get connected to very human stories so the moment i found uh, through my research and i met lot of cops and like sat down and discussed with them and i realized like very very quickly that 99% of the time cases get solved because they are just persistent not because they are so clever and they outsmart the criminal that happens like few and far between and there are like one instances in like 50 cases where you will see right. somebody using using their brain but it's just about being persistent and hard working uh, there is intelligence to it but you know uh, it's not as glorified as it is in the movies right the fly scene in this film where uh, mutana is trying to catch that fly and it kind of pain supportrait of uh, how how much he has tried to find this criminal and how determined he is uh, is there anything more to that scene that you wanted to add and i'm i'm sure there is there's a scene like that in godiban also yeah i'm i'm, I'm fascinated by uh, uh, sound and the use of sound in films so uh, the idea of using the fly was uh, you know there's a very popular saying in canada uh, it's like slang where uh, they say what are what are you doing instead of saying i'm not doing anything you're like no na odita dini it's like i'm spotting flies you know that's how jobless i am so yeah so uh, i mean uh, uh, through my research what i found is that a lot of lot of times that these cops they just sit in a you know in a car just look you know waiting for the guy so there's a lot of time and space so uh, i thought it would be interesting to sort of you know bring this angle of a small fly causing that much of a nuisance in a way and uh, uh the whole idea was for actually uh, uh, the scene is abruptly cut 
uh, I don't know if how much that sort of uh, comes through. Uh, it was actually a larger scene, but I ended up chopping the earlier part of the scene because uh, because of length, uh, and that is a big issue in terms of mm-hmm. uh, you know uh, the length of the film is too long, and you know the audience won't sit through and stuff like that. So I had I myself took a edit call and trimmed the earlier part of the scene. Uh, it was sort of a seed for the scene that follows later, where the same fly is seen sitting on uh, Mutana's face and uh, Rishi is standing there and observing it. So the idea with which it was written is basically a story that a friend of mine had uh, told me long time back about uh, an incident where a friend of his died uh, when he when he, when they were kids and he drowned. And it took a while for him to for it for him to register that he died. And the moment that he realized he died is that he was apparently lay down on the. I mean, he was on the floor in the house, and the entire family was surrounding it. And my friend happened to be in the room, and he saw uh, the body, and he noticed the fly on the nose, and that's when it sort of struck him that he's dead. He's no longer alive because. Your in immediate impulse is when when there's a nose on your floor, you sort of squat it away, right? right. So mm-hmm. when he saw that, uh, is when sort of he it it sunk in that he had died. You know, he had he had passed on. So I that that was that was like a very powerful image and a story that had remained in my head when Manoj, my friend, told me about this. So and I'd always told him I'm going to use this in a film. I don't know how. I don't know when. But mm-hmm. uh, when I when I wrote this scene with Anansar, I knew Anansar was going to die in the film. uh so i i i wanted to use this fly as a you know as as a seed there uh as an idea uh so i needed to plant the essence of the fly in an earlier instance so that's how sort of it sort of uh, you know uh, came together so you you were pretty strong on the emotional strong point so you were not like tempted to do a that football stadium tracking shot level kind of a shot or something like that No, 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 no. I, like I said, uh, you know, when I say emotional reference point, I I don't look at the film at all. Yeah, the mm-hmm. film is completely independent. Like I don't look at the shots. I don't like my emotional reference point for Godivana was Goodwill Hunting. Like there okay. is not yeah, a single yeah. moment yeah. in the film that is you know in the same uh, space yeah. as such. So it's it's very uh, uh, independent in that sense. So I didn't I didn't look at the film as a reference at all, like a visual reference at all. uh the, the the economic boom uh, in and around bangalore that kind of spans a period where you also grew up right and uh, you wrote a little bit even before you actually uh, you know got out of college and you know started thinking about working in movie so what what were your early writings about I mean, oh my early writings were very emo man i mean <laughs> like i was i, I was in, i was doing engineering i was uh, you know in the company of really uh, smart people uh i felt dumb because of the fact that i was trying to do something that i'm not really good at like i was never really good at math i was never really good at but i was good uh in a different kind of way and i sort of had to sort of struggle to discover that aspect of me so a lot of my writing was very emotional uh was about what i was going through and you know it's it's the typical emo kind of bullshit that you end up uh, writing in your early early stages it's only uh, uh only when i started writing uh narrative like story format is when i started uh, discovering that i can i can really uh, you know experience a range of emotions uh, just 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 using words you know Th- that's how it started off so my early writings were very uh 
reflective also of of the kind of films at least the early stories that i was writing is also reflective of the kind of stories that i like reading i'm a very big stephen king fan so more often than not there was a horror story that i was writing so but as as i sort of uh, you know uh, evolved as a person and also as a writer i was able to sort of uh, look at uh, things that are uh, around me and uh, all my stories thus far uh, the ones that have been made and ones that have not been made are in, are influenced by what i see or what i consume from right. from a reality perspective like uh, i get moved by instances like for example there's a scene in godibanna where uh, you know anansar is caught stealing something from the from the shop and i've actually seen that happen like myself i've seen an old woman do that and get you know get held at by the by a daughter in law so these kind of things you know they, these are the things from which i sort of uh, take my stories and for kavaludari i did a lot of research and there, there are like hundreds of politicians who have like very very murky backgrounds and uh, it sort of gets put under the carpet and you know so it it it, it sort of was a derivative of that it's, it's purely observational in the sense and also kavaludari was written as actually initially as a 10 part uh, series uh mm-hmm. each individual character has a very strong uh, back story and all 10 episodes were written and i pitched to a couple of uh, networks as well but uh, this was about 3 4 years back so this whole series idea series uh, mentality was still sort of not uh, common uh, space uh, mm-hmm. uh, in terms of it was not familiar directly so uh, it got rejected which is when i sort of crunched 10 hours of material uh, 10 hours of ideas into a two and a half hour film so this whole real estate uh, boom and how mylur's rise from uh, being somebody who, like being being part of the labor union heading the labor union starting a small political party and then getting mm. into real estate so that there's there's an entire back story you know with with sort of addressing exactly these kind of things but unfortunately like the, it, the when you do films it's you're constrained by time right in terms of yeah. how much story uh, you can put out so those those elements sort of got uh, pushed out uh, so you did your uh, engineering and and then uh, did a lot of writing uh, and and then eventually uh, you you assisted uh, girish kasravalli sir uh, what, what can you talk about the process that happened to get to that point of assisting someone like him like right up like the years between college and when you actually were in a film set yeah so uh, it was i mean it it was very challenging time uh, because see what what is what is difficult to sort of comprehend now is that it was an era without facebook without you know i don't think orkut was also that popular back then we didn't have youtube right. also i think so i think youtube was there i'm not sure 2005 so but it was not and internet was still you know like not how it is it's not so random yeah, not that everyone so, has a camera thing yeah exactly so it was it and all films that i have assisted on and worked as an associate director have all been shot on film like negative stock so for me uh, you know the whole idea of cinema itself was a very ex- expensive idea which is why you you didn't have that many filmmakers and you know going out and making films and uh the reason for me to sort of seek out some somebody uh, like who's who's a one like who's certified master of the craft uh and uh, look look to assist somebody like that is because i knew i didn't want to go to film school because academically i'd never done well in anything in life and i didn't want to uh, you know take like my passion and 
fail academically right so i was i was uh, driven by that insecurity so i wanted to learn on the job but i also wanted to assist somebody who was really good at the craft because i realized that uh, i realized that with writing uh, when you initially when i initially started writing i realized the importance of grammar i realized the importance of sentence sentence structure and narrative uh, you know ploys and uh, narrative tools that you can use so i realized that filmmaking is has grammar itself has its own language that i need to sort of learn so uh, i i started uh, seeking out uh, books about it and it it was difficult because like i said it was the pre internet era so uh, you know it sounds ridiculous because it's just like 10 15 years back so it was very difficult to seek out so that is when when i sort of looked at the options of people that i could assist kasurli was right up there because i'd seen his films uh, and you know there was a finesse to his making so i wanted to learn that desperately and that's how i sort of just landed up in front of his door one day and knocked on the door and and thankfully he answered if he didn't answer i probably wouldn't have assisted him i just caught him and uh, you know i was like and so and so please i want to assist you just give me a break i'll just walk around uh, being on set i won't be a bird he was very sweet and uh, he was very uh, encouraging and he took me on board immediately so that's that's how it started and i've said it several times as well working with kasarulli is essentially like going to a film school for me because uh, i realized what he was doing months after the shoot was done because i i wasn't able to understand how he was shooting why he was shooting something the way he was shooting so only much later like 3 4 months later and i was like why was he, like why did he do that why did he do this is sort of when it started making sense and that's how i ended up learning actually but was that like you know a sure fire way to get into the industry like that that doesn't guarantee anything right like once you you assist kasravali and then how difficult is it for like an independent cinema or independent uh, filmmakers to put their film out there uh, in kannada specifically right now yeah i mean i don't think i don't think it was like the the easy the best route possible because the best route possible to get into the industry uh, would would have been assisting somebody who is commercially successful okay uh, this probably was the harder route but i'm i'm glad i took it this you know the biggest tragedy of canada is that producers in canada don't understand what a genius a filmmaker kasaroli is like when i went and told filmmakers there's a sense of pride that i had assisted somebody like kasaroli right and and when i used to tell people uh, uh producers prospective producers that i have assisted kasaroli they were like ha our art film maartare what is the point you know like mm. uh, that is i feel really tragic and it's a reflection of how uh, poorly we understand cinema uh, as an industry in terms of producers but the good thing is that when i went to bombay and when i told people that i was assisting kasaroli so there was immediate sort of importance or value attached uh, to that name so for me with more than more than the more than anything else i knew that by assisting somebody like him i would really learn the craft really well i get right. that opportunity mm-hmm. and uh, yeah that was that was the main reason but i was very clear from the very beginning and i've had couple of conversations with sir uh, kasaroli sir during the shoot of the film also that uh, i he makes wonderful films about really really rooted characters but the characters themselves on whom he bases his films on don't get to watch them right mm-hmm. because it's made for a very intellectual uh, sort of consumption or at least that's how it's marketed it as yeah. by the media so uh, i find that uh, very weird in in the sense that you know you make films about global warming uh, sorry uh, globalization and how it will affect a certain section of the society and 
but the they the the community as such is blindsided uh, when it actually comes down to it and they don't win off the film if that makes if that makes any sense right. so i wanted to do films uh, uh, where i i want many people to watch it but i also didn't want to sort of uh, uh trade in the storytelling aspect of it i want to do films that make sense to me first and then look, seek out the audience that will look up, look for you know look for content that that moves me that kind of is the eternal uh, conundrum for indian filmmakers right like you always uh, are uh, somewhere between the uh, what is considered to be commercial and what is considered to be uh, the parallel cinema and at least hindi had a parallel cinema of its own but in this in the south i don't think we have uh, i mean we have we had it in, uh, in in spades in like in kerala we had in in karnataka we have uh, in tamil it's mostly mainstream and most people uh, do make films in the mainstream and make all kinds of films so that, that is kind of an eternal conundrum right so is that, is that something you made peace <laughs> absolutely i mean i i it's it's something that i don't think i'll ever be able to make peace with because okay. uh despite both my films being box office uh, hits big hits mm-hmm. uh, that I, you know that too and in in industry that makes 250 films uh, i think an average of about 10 or 12 films break even and make a profit and to do it twice i'm still not considered to be a commercial director so <laughs> <laughs> you know that i by the industry i still i'm still like hi i he does films that we don't really get sort of a thing <laughs> so i i don't know man i for me i make extremely commercial films i i've always looked at it that way and for me what what is commercial is what makes money right, right. uh you know when you when you release a film which is made with a certain sort of in, uh, you know intrinsic uh, artistic value and thought but still you can earn money from it i i don't think that is anything more commercial than that but unfortunately the commercial is the fight and the mass and which i love watching but mm. i don't know why people have this whole you know saying ah offbeat film and uh, you know so <laughs> these are all jargons that i don't sort of uh, take seriously okay. so uh, i i also want to uh, talk to you about your uh, writing process itself uh, you 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 said you look for stories around you and all that but uh, in general how does the writing happen uh, so godivana was written by me uh only mm-hmm. by, it was written by me and uh, kavludari was also written by me but uh, andadon is the only film where i sort of written with somebody else but both godivana and uh, kavludari uh, when i say it's written by me uh, i I've, i've written about 95% of it but i i write sort of the skeletal structure uh, each scene is written uh, uh, the idea of each scene and what that scene is is written and then uh, the dialogue writing process is a sort of uh, uh, i do it with my uh, assistants uh, mm-hmm. in the sense that we sit down and uh, we discuss the scene and just uh, play out play out the dialogue between ourselves and right. uh, as as a consequence of our conversation uh, i end up writing the dialogues like i uh, i don't like i i i sort of uh, go back and forth back and forth and see uh, how easily the dialogue is landing and then uh, find uh uh you know find a sort of uh, uh structure for it to root get rooted in so for me the dialogue writing process is like that but the screenplay and the story is written prior uh, prior to it so that i have a very clear idea of the story and structure and uh, you know it's it's rigid in that in in that sense but it's flexible in terms of uh, when it comes to 
all the characters speak to each other so that happened a lot uh, primarily in godibanna with a couple of other people uh, who were uh, who were big contributors but uh, uh, like for example there is a scene where uh, uh, you know there is uh, there is a character who speaks uh, urdu uh, proper you know like urdu instead of uh instead of the typical muslim who speaks your native tongue they are done in a very caricaturish way uh, mm-hmm. that i didn't want to do but the scene was already written i got somebody who speaks that dialect i mean we sat and i sort of told him this is what i want the character to say how do you say it so i got him to sort of contribute and that scene sort of uh, you know uh, generated out of that discussion like the scene was written before but the dialogue uh was filled in uh, as as a consequence of that discussion so that is something that i have done with both my films but with andadun uh, although there are four writers i didn't write with them because okay the thing about andadun is that uh, i had written uh, like i had i had spotted the short film and i had sent it to shriram because we were we uh, we uh, we were looking at opportunities to work with each other and he had really like uh, uh, my sensibilities and my writing and a couple of ideas that i had pitched to him so we were looking to develop something together and uh, i in fact i had pitched the idea of kavludari to him uh, back then and okay. uh, it was it was a one page idea that i had and i he had shown interest in it but it didn't sort of materialize so when i came across the short film i sent it to him he really liked it uh, and we just started you know putting out ideas and just exchanging emails like uh, he would write one set of uh, scenes and then send it to me i would look at those scenes i would add scenes to it and i'd send it back to him so we did that back and forth this is before godwana this is almost mm-hmm. like 2012 2013 i would say so it was back so it was as far as back as then and then we had uh, we had sort of locked on the first half of the story uh, and then that whole uh, the second half of the story and what it is today is in fact uh, something that i work very little on uh, because right. the, the the next set of writers when shriram decided to uh, revive the project so to speak uh, is when the new set of writers came in and they uh, started jamming and shriram was was sweet enough to sort of send me that version uh, you know just for me to uh, look at and stuff like that uh, but but i was i was in the middle of my film and my my contributions as such were uh, you know zero almost in that sense uh, you know uh, uh, once the project was revived so there was a lot of work that had gone into it into the initial drafts and, and i was very sweet to shriram to sort of credit me for it uh, you you've mentioned that you are a fan of malayalam cinema as well and uh, you've heard also that there there's a there's a they work as a collective so i wanted to see what your experiences was and with with uh these closing on that idea uh, uh the i i'm a very big fan when you know when you get different brains uh, sort of different set of eyes on the on the script and people who sort of uh collectively look at the film uh for what it is in in terms of its uh in terms of its treatment in terms of its emotion it's good to work with people like that who get it and who are who are in the same space as you are because it's a good bouncing board sort of a situation you know it's good discussion when you present when pitch an idea uh, it's and it, for for creative people i think it's very important to associate with people who are who have a very nurturing uh, aspect to them because uh, you're fra- very fragile with your ideas right so when i pitch an mm-hmm. idea it at at its inception it will probably be very very rough and very shitty right, right. it's only when our so work go into it that it you know it sort of sculpted into something that is beautiful 
so at the first time you mention an idea to somebody and and if they're not of that bend you who, mm. who can be ahead of the curve then the idea falls flat and you end up feeling really bad about what you're creating so it's important to sort of uh, you know surround yourself with that kind of uh, that kind of quality of people and i've thankfully with both films i've i've had that with my godivana team uh, which was very sort of it was a very conducive environment for ideas to sort of nourish uh, and they were very uh, uh supportive and it there was a, that healthy back and forth of disagreements and agreements and i it's not about you know i'm the director i sort of supersede the decision making uh, i don't have to play the trump card uh but it's about convincing another person in the room uh with with with, with where i am coming from and uh you know that that is a very healthy way from which uh, collaboration sort of emerges on related that uh, what do you think nurtures uh, that kind of a space uh, because uh, i mean uh, ananta obviously uh, picked up the uh, uh, the very uh, very out there example of malayalam where uh, there, there's a lot of collaboration and directors act in other directors films and uh, vice versa and all those things uh, do you think it's something that just happens or do you think that something as individuals people take an effort to Uh, create a space like that in an industry no i think i think it's it's uh, i think it happens when people are more secure of themselves uh, and they don't let insecurity take over their decision making process i mean uh, actors and filmmakers are generally extremely insecure by nature and sometimes that sort of comes in the way uh, you know of of your decision making so to to go and uh, act uh, in another director's film uh, Uh, the director of that film should not be really insecure that that actor is going to take over or his name is going to you know those kind of insecurities is when a good work won't happen so it sort of shows that people are a lot more secure about themselves uh, and they're they're dealing with their in, in, uh, insecurities in a very healthy way and uh, see i'm i'm extremely insecure about my ideas about my film i'm i'm always worried how people are going to get it or if it's going to work but the thing is i don't i don't sort of de- let that define my personality so i'm i'm okay. i'm uh, for me i understand uh, it's very important to have a very healthy outlook uh, in terms of uh, collaborating with people so i i guess it is because of that i guess it's it's comes with that maturity and i i i i see that happening a lot in canada also Mm-hmm. uh there are projects where you know you are having directors sit on uh the story discussions and that is happening in a healthy way and that is that is actually wonderful to be part of actually let me just ask you about uh, humble politician nagraj right so that's that as a movie is completely different from uh, both godibanna and kavaludari how did that come about i mean that obviously you are a producer there and you directed these two other movies but but from a genre perspective it's it's out there compared to these two So how did that come about? So that uh, when me Pushkar and Rakshit, uh, we used to like just so you know get on get on these uh, dream trips during Godi Banna before the release of Godi Banna, uh, because Godi Banna took about two two and a half years to make because of various reasons of money and you know a lot of uh, confusion with regard to release because we were doing everything ourselves. So there are a lot of conversations where we would talk talk about if we do well and if, you know for all practical purposes, all of us were sort of. Uh, uh looking to find our own footing within the industry and find our own space or carve out our own space so rakshit had done that to a considerable degree but to me and pushkar it was completely uh, new territory so we kept dreaming of you know how we want to produce 
content and how we want to take chances so the common factor was that if godivana does well then we will reinvest that money and put back what we get into cinema and earn from cinema that was the idea because uh, i i can't do anything else i'm not good at anything else tomorrow for whatever reason the entertainment business is shut down then i go do some labor work you know that's that's how useless i am uh, so for me it's like this is something that i want to be in but uh, so we we were looking at scripts we were looking at uh, projects uh, so when we came across danny and saath uh, with this idea i'm a very big fan of the satire comedy uh, comedy done intelligently you know like very uh, very poor artish i i mean i mean i consume a lot of comedy content uh, so uh, i love that i i love what danny was doing with regard to radio and uh, how how he had carved out a niche for himself and how you how he had, you know that that you know gift of the gap so to speak and how uh, effective they were as a duo so we heard the script and we really saw uh, a lot of potential in terms of what they were looking to do or what they were aiming for and it was to be honest when we got into it we had no idea if we were going to recover the money and you know uh, make money off it or we didn't start off thinking okay this is a project that we are pakka going to make money from or it's it's a project that's going to get critically acclaimed we were literally going out on a limb and taking a chance thankfully it sort of uh, commercially at least uh, it worked out uh, critically and uh, the response it was sort of mixed uh, you know uh, uh, some people liked it some people didn't like it so you know uh, so yeah i mean it was a good learning for for us as as producers what what kind of books do you read uh i'm i'm a very uh, a sort of moody reader in the sense that when i read i read a lot uh, when i don't read i don't i don't read at all so i'm i'm right now in those uh, in that phase where i'm not reading anything at all so uh, but i i do read uh, i i i enjoy uh, uh i i enjoy reading a lot of uh, material on the internet uh, like like i'm i'm majorly into sports so i love sports uh, anything about anything written about uh, sports and i also read a lot of cinemas and uh, of filmmakers and the journey like i like i like listening to conversations where filmmakers talk about their work and how they went about making their films listening to commentaries and stuff like that so that is that is another kind of reading that i regularly do and i always done because there's a lot of learning for me uh, individually from a very personal perspective and also from a film making perspective uh, apart from that the last book that i read was uh, the mercedes killer uh, series by stephen king the trilogy so that is something that i read recently and uh, i'm a very big fan of king so i keep reading i keep looking out for whatever he has written and uh, whatever uh, that's new and uh, i like sci-fi a lot as well so uh this uh, the, the the author of uh, the arrival i think ted ted chiang right i mean i look out for his his works as well yeah but and i'm also a very big fan of comics and uh, graphic novels before it was like the cool thing uh i mean uh, sort of came across it through a friend of mine who recommended recommended uh, graphic novels about 10 15 years back and uh, since then i've like i've i've always uh, you know uh, sort of kept my eye open for an interesting graphic novel and i've i've read that and so are, keep are you looking there. forward to the watchman adaptation uh, yeah i'm i'm really looking forward to the watchman adaptation but the thing now is that see the there's this whole thing of uh, you know every comic book being made into this whole you know televised uh, film 
I feel like, I I don't know I'm I'm not a very big fan of the moment I'm a huge fan of the Marvel universe and all that they've done uh, but it's almost like every comic book uh, you know people are not writing comic books anymore in that sense you know it's it's like uh, I feel it's it's a go to to the film I don't know I'm I'm, I'm very uh, anal about all these things I think I'm being a purist uh, in that sense but. Uh, Yeah, uh, that's right. But I was uh, fascinated by this not being a direct adaptation and being a sequel in the same world sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, correct, correct. I, that is that is what is exciting exciting about it. But uh, what I really loved about uh, uh, you know when I came came across this uh, Lone Wolf and the Cub, uh, when I saw it, it was almost like a film that's unfolding without audio. because it's so visual you have like a long shot you have like a close up you have a uh, you know a shot to express the, the expression and it's beautifully put together beautifully put together visually so that was like i i for me graphic novels is instantly a big hit for me because of the fact that there's so much of visual storytelling and there's so much of mechanics in terms of you know how the layouts are done and that is, i mean that, that i've learned a lot from uh, observing graphic novels actually to be honest so can you tell us about what's next what are you working on <laughs> uh there are a couple of things uh, that's uh, that's in the works yeah, i am a very big fan fan of long format because i really think you can flex your muscles as a as a writer and go to places that you really can't uh, as a feature film uh, in a feature film so i uh, and it's extremely challenging because you have to write uh not just 70 scenes you'll have to write 250 scenes which is very very hard to do so uh, i'm trying my hand at something that's long format with another with a, with another writer who's who's a popular comic here called romshi uh and uh, i'm writing a feature film as well it's it's my take or my attempt at a love story it's too early to speak about it uh, nothing is sort of clear Okay. Okay. Thank you, Hemant. Thanks for joining us. Super, guys. I I had a lot of fun. Thanks for having me over. Pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks everyone for listening to another episode of the Other Banana podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at the Other Banana, where we occasionally conduct quizzes and engage in mocha discussions with our listeners. You can find us at www.whereistheotherbanana.com and also on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. If you're still listening, we also want to plug our cricket podcast in the network, 81 All Out. You can find us at 81allout.com, at 81allout on Twitter, and also on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play. If you call yourself a foodie, first please stop calling yourself that. Then go check out our food pod at Nerd Kitchen Pod on Twitter. We'd love to get your feedback on what we're doing there as well. Until next time, this is Deepak, aka Complicator, signing off. Hope to see you back. Bye.